Before we get started with the first football episode of the season for Bench with Bubba, a couple things to talk to you about. First, Draft.com. Drafting your app store, great way to play daily fantasy sports. Snake-style drafts, just the way you like them. They've also introduced best ball drafts that people absolutely love. So I, go, I recommend go checking them out. Draft.com, Drafting your app store. And if you're new to Draft, use promo code SD Sports. SD is in dog sports. You get a free $3 entry into a tournament of your choice when you make your first deposit. So go to draft.com, draft in your app store, promo code SD Sports. Also, if you're rating it and review on iTunes, I'd much appreciate it. It would really help the podcast out, help me out, uh, move up the rankings, and put it for all the work I put in. I'd appreciate a couple minutes of your time. It would help a lot. Also, guest on the show tonight, Joe Pisapia does his black book, which is always great for baseball and football. Right now, they're pushing the, the football one out there pretty hard. And I recommend giving it a purchase. I, I like it anyways, period. But right now is a great time to go grab it. Proceeds go to Fantasy Carriage for the Scott Fish Bowl. And it's a great, great cause. It gets you great information from the guys over there at the Black Book and Joe Pisapia. Talking about all that, let's get into it. This is Bench with Bubba, episode 186, AFC and NFC East Fantasy Football Previews with Joe Pisapia. everybody to another episode of bench with bubba episode 186 kicking off the nfl year on bench with bubba a little late compared to others but we are here we're getting it going in order to do so joined by a special guest a great friend of the podcast who has a great cause he's pushing right now you can find him on twitter at joe piece of ps17 joey p how we doing man how you doing, baby? That's right. It's uh, it's Scott Fishbowl season, so uh, Black Book's trying to raise some money. If you get a fantasy Black Book uh, this week over on the Amazon or on iTunes, we uh, are donating a portion of the proceeds like we did last year to Fantasy Cares, which uh, is basically Toys for Tots. It buys uh, kids presents around Christmas. Last year, we raised a couple hundred dollars. I'm hoping to do uh, more than that this year. And Fantrax, my employer, is actually going to match whatever I raise. So how about that? You like that? Look at the little the Tim Wagner coming through. I can't the do the Tim Wagner, Yeah, he comes through when it matters. Yeah, that's right. But that yeah, man, I'm excited. Your first football show of 2019. Look at me. I'm I am special. Yeah, it's like I I love talking with Joe. I lo- I love talking baseball. Look at anything. If people heard the rest of the conversations, but um, and then I get to kick it off. And I realized when I started doing the outline last night, we start with his team, the New England Patriots. This is just going to be worse and worse every day. But you mean uh, the reigning, defending, yeah, undisputed, <laughs> universal champion, New England Patriots? Yes. Oh, uh, they're running out of rafter space in New England. <laughs> <laughs> nope, we'll just build a whole other building. <laughs> All right. So yeah, tonight we're doing the AFC East preview and NFC East. Let's go through the teams. Kind of get a refresher on what's taking place in the offseason, the draft, and what to look forward to. For those that are curious, we'll do more positional stuff as the season approaches. But for now, just kind of give a, a refresher on these two divisions. And Joe is also doing a lot of work over at Fantrax. He's done all the team previews. So go check all that out at Fantrax.com. All right. AFC East, Joe, started off with your New England Patriots. We'll kick it off with the usual suspects here. When you're coming into the season, what are your thoughts on Tom Brady? Well, my thoughts are Tom Brady are uh, that uh, he is uh, he's Thanos. He has got the sixth <laughs> one now. Sure. I mean, at, at this point, I mean, what, no, but look, right now when you start at the top with Tom Brady, I think the value of him is, I mean, basically he's a free quarterback in a single quarterback league. So I think you have to know if there's bonuses for 300-yard games in your league. And if you have that, Brady's still a pretty valuable quarterback. I think you can expect uh, a fair amount of touchdowns again. He's usually pretty efficient with the football. And I know some people are a little concerned about what Brady's going to be without Rob Gronkowski, but we've seen Brady without Rob Gronkowski before. So it's the more troubling version of Tom Brady, to be honest with me, is the one that doesn't have Julian Edelman, because that's always the version where he struggles, because that's the safety valve. That's the guy that he's got such a good rapport with. So whenever Edelman was out, that's one of those things where I just kind of roll my eyes and go, oh, man, if only Edelman was in there. 
But I, I think that they'll continue to evolve. Nikhil Harry is a, is a new presence there that uh, I don't think the, the Patriots, you know, you look at their track record of reaching for offensive players early in drafts. It's not something they do. They did it last year with Sonny Michelle, and they played him. And I think they did it this year with Nikhil Harry, and they're going to play him. He seems like a very solid all-around wide receiver who is already seems to be endearing himself to the coaching staff and to the quarterback. So I'm not too concerned with Tom Brady at all. I think uh, James White continues to be a terrific weapon, probably the most underrated weapon that there is in PPR fantasy leagues because the guy's going to get over 100 targets. The guy's going to have probably 1,200 all-purpose yards at least. And uh, the prize probably going to have a dozen touchdowns when all said and done the way he goes. So, I mean, Sony Michelle, I think, is more troubling than even James White. I'm curious. How do you rank those two running backs, let's say, in a PPR league? Are, are you buying into the Sony Michelle, or are you somebody who'd rather wait a little longer and take the James White since his role is defined in the offense? I'm going to go with uh, James White uh, on Wisconsin with James White. There you go. Sony, Sony Michelle for a couple reasons last year. I loved what he did, but the in, I don't want to say prone. I know that's a word we don't like to use, but coming out of college, he was banged up he got hurt real easy last year and he never really recovered from it. It seemed like when he was healthy, he was a beast because I had him in a couple PPR leagues and he was a monster, but what he doesn't do, he needs the volume because he needs like 20 plus carries to get you the hundred yards and maybe a touchdown. Otherwise he's not catching passes. So in a PPR league, he's crushing you to me where you're taking him in drafts. I'd rather get that late pick on James white. Um, you know, the, the pass catching ability of white, the way Brady likes to check down so much, you know, he's basically the Edelman of the backfield. He loves that little check and go. We've seen it for years with your guys with Falk and other guys in the backfield. So I, I go James White probably nine out of ten times. I like the talent of Sony Michelle, but you know they went and drafted Damian Harris. Don't you think Damian Harris has a chance of maybe taking some play away from Sony at some point in time? It's possible. You know, I mean the Patriots are also famous for whole giving a guy a whole series uh, at a time too. It which, happened a lot I last mean, year. With Sony. Happened a lot last yeah. year. You'd see the Burkhead series. You'd see the yeah. Sony Michelle series and. You know, I mean, that's something that they do, and and it keeps defenses honest and on their toes. And it wouldn't shock me. I think Harris is an intriguing uh, dynasty pickup because, yet again, it was kind of odd that they would pick another running back. But this is also what the Patriots are now. As Tom Brady ages, they're trying to surround him with more speed, more weapons, and more fresh legs. And I think that is a very positive thing to do because, I mean, look, it, it's hard to call for regression of Tom Brady because we've never seen it. The guy is always in phenomenal shape. He's always out preparing everybody else even if you don't like it sorry he is so at the same time I, I think you look at it and you, you're you're optimistic I also am fading Sony Michelle a little bit because he had some very solid games but the injury risk is real he also had some games where he was not an incredibly uh, big part of the game script for them and that could be troubling too but James White's always pretty much part of the game script and I think that's a that's an easy pivot for me yeah, I'm 100% with you there. Uh, you mentioned Nikhil Harry. You mentioned Julian Edelman. What's your thoughts? Like the rest of the, the receiving court, maybe Josh Gordon. They picked up Demarius Thomas, which shocked me. But I guess just add depth. That's what they do well. Dontrell Inman's there. Is there anybody else in that receiving core outside of Julian Edelman that you're looking to draft on draft day, assuming we don't know anything else about Josh Gordon? I probably don't want to draft any of the other ones. Um, Philip Dorsett's one of these guys, though, that looked good with – him last year so if Nikhil Harry is a little slower on the uptick or something happens Dorset, I think would become immediately useful um I don't know what Demarius Thomas has left in the tank I gotta be honest with you I, I didn't think much of what he had left in the tank last year and then you have the Achilles injury so that's kind of a concern but you know the, the Patriots are going to run the football when they run for 100 yards they are nearly unbeatable it is an incredible statistic but when they have a 100 yard rusher on in a game, they are nearly undefeated in the last five years. It's crazy. Uh, and they also got a big piece on the line back this year, too. Isaiah wins back, too. So offensive line is going to be stout. They're going to have no problems basically imposing their will yet again, much to the chagrin of everybody out there. But from a fantasy standpoint, I think it's I think it's Edelman. I think it's Brady. I think it's uh, James White. If you get a discount on Sonny Michelle, okay. Uh, and Nikhil Harry is going at a nice ADP right now where I would take a shot. As a, as he was my wide receiver three, I prefer him as my four. As your three, if you have two really good guys, I think you can get by with it for now. Okay, yeah, that's interesting. I, I like what you mentioned about the line getting healthy. And we saw that last year when Sony Michelle was healthy or even a combo of the backs. They wanted to pound the rock, and that's why I think people think Tom Brady's regressing because, okay, he's not throwing 50 touchdowns. Yes, of course, that's going to happen as regression, if that's what you want to call regression. 
But when the lights come on, as you know, in the two minutes, he's still one of the best out there. And if he wanted to do that all game long, he could, but they want him standing up come Super Bowl Sunday. So that's why they're going to hand the ball off a ton. And, and it makes a ton of sense. So I'm with you 100% there. As much as it hurts for me to say, uh, yeah, the Patriots should should walk away with this division once again, as it's quite the joke. And I don't, I don't know if Gronk's coming back or not, but it certainly wouldn't shock me. I mean, no. if he showed up in, if he showed up there in November, it wouldn't shock me at all. So like, just like stay tuned for that. There's like the videos of them playing catch over the last like week or whatever. It's no one would be shocked. This this could be Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez, 2.0 type stuff. This is and you, you know, know what? Good for Gronk. If Gronk yes. wants to swoop in there and play six weeks and then go play in the playoffs and win another ring, God bless him. He's yeah. deserved it. He's played through so many injuries in his career. Good for him. But I mean, keep your fab because yeah. <laughs> I definitely think it's at least a coin flip that he comes back. Yeah, I think it's it's a very healthy coin flip is the way I'd say. It. Very, <laughs> You're on very... the fifty one of the forty nine. Yeah, right? I, <laughs> I, I, I'm I'm the one that might lose the electoral college, but I'll be the popular vote on this. So, uh, we'll <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a tough, uh, it's a tough rap right there. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be the Vlad Guerrero of the home run derby on that one. There you go. Um, Buffalo Bills, the Buffalo Bills. Nothing too flashy here, but a question for you, Josh Allen. Once kind of you know getting in the rhythm, not doing it all with the arm did show some success there, but ran a ton and was like a top five QB for most of the second half last year. What are your kind of expectations coming into 2019? Well, you know, Josh Allen was terrific down the stretch, especially in DFS, man. Oh my God. I had a run with him where I was just playing him every week, you know, because he was free free and he was averaging 90 yards rushing a game. And I mean, he was just putting up a ton of points and I like Josh Allen coming out of college. I was kind of in the minority. I kept saying, Look, I understand it ain't perfect, but, you know, he's a big, strong kid. He can run around the football field and make plays. I understand he's more raw talent right now than anything. But, I mean, I think there's a lot to be excited about. Now, they did a good job by adding in smart pieces. They gave him a real deep threat in John Brown. They gave him a nice slot receiver in Cole Beasley. So, right off the bat, he is light years ahead of where he was last year. He had almost zero weapons. He had almost zero running game, zero receivers to speak about. So, Right off the bat, he's in a much, much better scenario. They also gave him a lot more depth at running back, too. They brought in Gore. They brought in Yeldon. Uh, they even uh, made a draft choice with Devin Singletary, too, who, you know, by the season's end, it wouldn't shock me if he was kind of getting more time. But it's a tricky situation for sure. I actually think Yeldon could be one of the sneaky plays this year because Yeldon was very good last year when he was filling in for Fournette. And he kind of fills into this weird Josh Allen way of playing football where you know, TJ Elder is just going to kind of release out to the outside and then Josh Allen's going to roll out in the pocket when nothing's there or he doesn't see the read properly. He's just going to dump the ball off to guys like Yeldon. And I think he could be a sneaky play in a deeper, like in a 14-team league, I have my eyes all over TJ Yeldon because I think that could be that kind of guy. In Dynasty, though, Singletary is definitely the long term because, yeah. look, I, I wouldn't shock me if they even decided to just part ways with Sean McCoy, too. I mean, I think that they're looking to move forward. It's a great defensive team still. Uh, they Certainly in the secondary, too. When you're looking for IDP guys in the secondary, they're loaded there. Uh, guys like Micah Hyde and Poyer, I mean, they're just tremendous. Tremaine Edmonds, all those guys are just awesome. So for me, it's still a great defensive team. I don't love the court. Like, I know everyone's excited because of all the rushing around, but look, he's not somebody in a single quarterback league who's going to break the top 12, I don't think. Uh, that being said, in Superflex, he's definitely a guy that you can, if you miss on the quarterback runs, I think you can do all right with depending on the scoring system. Yeah, I'm with you. Josh Allen just he intrigues me. Like right now, he's going 21st quarterback off the board in PPRs according to Fantasy Pros ADP, which says a lot to uh, what you're saying. There is you know super flex, good late round target. Otherwise, he's probably undrafted in a lot of leagues right now. It kind of shows the depth of the position at quarterback. But you mentioned the slew of running backs they have. You know, Yeldon, McCoy, Gore, Singletary. It depends on what show you listen to, what article you read. It, everyone's got a different opinion. Uh, Singletary has been kind of the, the talk of the talk of late, but overall it seems pretty crowded. Do you even bother with one of these guys or do you just take the chance on Yeldon late? Like you were uh, I, I think I steer away from it from a fantasy perspective. Yeah. I'll take my shots in DFS with it, but I'm going to steer away from fantasy season long with these guys because you just don't know unless you, unless there's an injury and all of a sudden you get some clarity, but I'd rather have clarity on the waiver wire with these guys. So I am not going to be drafting LaShawn McCoy I understand it's coming at an obscene discount, but I think there's a purpose for that. So I'm going to steer away from it. 
Yeah, and I'm not going to spend much more time on this. I don't see any need to draft a receiver on the Bills unless I'm missing something. Well, I will say this. The the one defense that I will make is that I think John Brown will have – I think actually Beasley too to a certain extent, but more John Brown in a best ball is actually where I was going with that. I think in best ball, John Brown – because you're not going to be able to count on week to week, but I think he's going to have half a dozen games where you're going to go, wow. (laughs) <laughs> you know, yeah, other than that, yeah, we both did know. a lot of DFS last year. We John Brown was that guy. It's like every week, okay, we know it's there. Is it going to happen? Nope. Oh wait, there it is. <laughs> so, yeah, hundred percent there with you with John Brown. Uh, let's go to the New York Jets new head coach and Adam Gase. Thank God he's out of Miami. Um, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting year here, Joey P. Uh, Sam Darnold. I really liked what I was seeing towards the end last year and they let it kind of open up him. And Robbie Anderson had quite the rapport. Even Quincy Anunia had a couple of good games. They got Lev Bell in town, but every, everywhere you listen, it's Gates doesn't run plays. Gates doesn't run plays, but people forget they loved them as the bears OC. So where are we at on the jets here? Uh, look, I, I hate Adam Gates as much as the next guy. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm game there to make fun of him and, and crank on Adam Gase. Uh, but I, I'm not buying the whole thing. Like, and all of a sudden, Le'Veon Bell becomes totally useless. I'm just not buying that at all. He, I understand he screws up a lot of running back situations, but he's also never had a running back as good as Le'Veon Bell with an organization that's made that kind of investment. So the organization is going to tell him, you better get the most out of this investment because we spent this money. So I think there'll be pressure there. So I'm not worried about Le'Veon Bell. Darnold did play better towards the end of the season there. Uh, the turnovers were a huge issue at the beginning of the year. Towards the end of the year, though, he got back on track. I think he had six touchdowns and two picks in the last uh, four games or something to that effect, somewhere close to that. And when I'm thinking about Darnold, I'm thinking about, okay, that's the next evolution. He looks like he's going to be the guy. You're giving him a, a really good wideout in, in Robbie Anderson. He is a very solid guy. I think fantasy-wise, he'll play this year, uh, and he'll be a, a solid pick there. But to me, it's Robbie Anderson, it's Le'Veon Bell. Those are the two fantasy assets you want. The Anunwas, uh, you know, and even Crowder, who I love Crowder's talent. I'm just concerned about the health. You know, if Crowder really defines himself in that slot role, he could be a really sneaky good grab in a 14-team league, especially in a full-point PPR. So I think you have to be in the deeper league to really like the secondary Jets pieces. And the regular 12-team, it's really just the big two right now. But keep your eye on Crowder, too, because that could be a guy that Darnold, you know, I mean, Curse really – tried that role last year, but it, there was inconsistency from Darnold. If Darnold's going to be the better version of himself, Crowder could be a guy that finally has the kind of year that we were hoping or that we haven't seen in a couple of years since he was good in Washington and he's just been injured for two years. Yeah, I'm 100% with you. I'm a Crowder fan. Before the injury seasons, he was actually pretty darn useful in, in PPR leagues. And, and you mentioned uh, Darnold liking the slot quite a bit last year. So if Crowder's healthy and they, and they are you know, doing the thing like you were saying, it could be interesting there with Crowder coming out of the slot. And then I love Bell. I'm with you, but I'm curious to see how much he keeps falling. Right now, he's the seventh running back off the board, and obviously, he's not going to get all the touches he got in Pittsburgh. But the well, dynamic- because they're not as good of an offense. You know, that's yeah, the thing. Exactly. It's like it's like you can't think Le'Veon Bell is going to be what he was in Pittsburgh because it's they're not, not the Pittsburgh team. Steelers' offense. But even if you take 15 percent off of the top yes. of Le'Veon Bell, he's still an RB one. He's still probably a late first round pick at the very worst. So I don't think people should worry. However, I do really love – I love what the Jets did defensively this year. I mean, oh, it's, it's hard. They really did, man. I mean, when you yeah. add uh, – when you had C.J. Mosley in the prime of his career, I mean, that that's a huge thing. And you got Quinn and Williams up front. You got C.J. Mosley in the middle. And then you got Jamal Adams out there in the secondary. That is a three-tier monster in terms of every level of that defense has an absolute stud potentially on it. So – and I think I think the world of Jamal Adams, even though I hate the Jets, I, I, I love watching Jamal Adams play football. I think he's a star. Um, but that defense, uh, that's going to be one of those sneaky defenses this year, especially when you look at the rest of the this division. They're going to have some cushy matchups against the Dolphins, against the Bills, you know, those four games right there. I think the Jets are a sneaky defensive unit this year, period. Well, that, that division as a whole, uh, they all kind of upgraded their defense. They're all going to be like, the Dolphins weren't great last year, but they were a good defense. And they got a little better. You mentioned the Bills. The secondary is very, very good. They're one of those fantasy defenses that can pick six at a couple times out of nowhere and win you weeks type deal. Um, But, yeah, the Jets could be very, very uh, fierce in that respect. So we'll see how it goes. Last question. You mentioned Lev Bell, and you like him, and I I don't disagree with you at all. It's kind of the same story people are going with Todd Gurley. Bell or Gurley? 
Well, Bell is safer. I mean, there's just no way around it. Um, I'll tell you what. It's I just took Gurley and Scott Fishbowl <laughs> with the uh, with the <laughs> second part of my with, question there <laughs> with two o three. So at two o three, I took him, and I was just like, I had Devonte Adams already, and I was like, you know what? I'm I'm gonna just go for it. Let's just go for it. And if I have Adams and and Todd Gurley and Gurley plays up to snuff and Adams plays up to snuff, that's gonna be a tough out. I'm gonna be a yeah. tough out every week. Yeah. Um, but I think it comes down to this. If you're in a 10 team league, I'll probably take Gurley because the replacement gamble, value is much yeah. easier. Yeah, I'll take that gamble. 12 team league depends on the scenario, depends on the format, depends on a lot of things. 14 team league, I'm taking Bell and I'm not thinking about it because the margin for error is just so much less with the running backs in a 14 teamer. Hey, Joe, out of curiosity, where can someone get strategy advice like that? Strategy advice like that? Well, probably somewhere like the Fantasy Black Book Show. Over uh, my podcast, that's a good place. Uh, I, was, I was referring. I was referring to your book. I was trying to put it on the book for you. and the book too. Well, <laughs> if they want to hear me talk about it, but if you want to read about it, it's over in the fantasy football black book. Go. That's right, 2019, number one in fantasy sports yet again for the 14th straight time, and number five in football books right now. We're with a bullet we're coming at Joe Namath and Tony Dungy. Outstanding. Right go get him. That's right. Go get I'm him. hoping that Joe Namath is drunk in the corner, hitting on Susie Colbert, I and mean, he doesn't see us coming. Uh, we've all been there before. Um, <laughs> Who hasn't? You're so pretty. You know, you're so pretty. Exactly. How you doing? Um, Miami Dolphins, last team in the AFC East. This is going to be a rough season as a Dolphins fan. Trust me, I know. Um, new head coach, new coach, a lot of new coaches there. Uh, Josh Rosen in town. They picked up uh, Fitz Magic. I'm kind of. I was excited about that actually. At least make it entertaining while we're losing. Um, other than that, though, Kenny Stills, Defonte Parker has always been an issue. You have uh, the running backs are intriguing with Kenyon Drake and Kalein uh, Balaj. I just butchered that like an idiot. But uh, interesting stuff there with the Dolphins. What kind of fantasy assets do you, do you like here? Uh, not many. I love yeah. Kenyon Drake. I do. I'm, I am doubling down. I was a big Kenyon Drake guy last year. We talked year. a lot about him on here last year. I did. And you know what? I don't think I'm wrong. I still no, don't think not. I'm wrong. When you talk about a guy who makes the most of the touches he gets, it's mm-hmm. he's one of the most efficient guys out there. And the, and the deep stats love Kenyon Drake. And he's on the final year of his deal. There's no reason not to run him in the ground. There's really nobody else. So for me, I'm doubling down on it. He's a terrific value. I will have Kenyon Drake again this year everywhere. Outside of that, uh, maybe Stills in the best ball. I mean, it is tough, man. It's not a great group. I know they brought in Josh Rosen. We'll see what happens there. I don't get the whole playing Fitzpatrick thing because don't you want to see if Rosen's your guy or not? I 100% agree. I, I, I mean, I've heard I've heard that talk like Fitzpatrick the first three or four weeks and then Rosen's like, what are you waiting for? Put Rosen out there for 16 games. They did the same crap with the with uh, oh, I am with just, uh fog. Yes, Tano. They 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 totally they slowly got him involved in the offense. It's just I, I never understood it. Never got well, it. Well, I mean it's one thing when a guy's a fresh rookie. He's not. Yeah. He's a second year player. He played last year. Granted it was in a terrible position, but still he played. So I, I don't know. I mean, if you're the Dolphins with especially with the quarterback class coming up next year in twenty twenty, you gotta find out what Rosen is. You gotta figure it out. You gotta move on and either go with Rosen, which I don't think is what they're gonna do or you're going to, you know, go out there in the draft again. But it, they're a tough sell for me, this Dolphins team. Uh, even from the defensive end, uh, you know, they, they lost some pass rush there with Cameron Wake. I know he's older, but I still think that's going to be a bit of an issue. But the one guy, the one takeaway for me with this team is Kenyon Drake. And I, for one, am buying back in because I think he's looking to get paid. They're looking to use him in that sense and probably move on from him would be my guess too. So Kenyon Drake is in a unique situation where I think Flores and company are going to need him and they're going to utilize him like no one else has before. And I think that's going to be a really, really good marriage for fantasy owners. I'm with you there. And Drake's going on average 26 right now in ADP, right behind guys like David Montgomery, Chris Carson, Philip Lindsay. Do you have Drake ahead of, of those three? Uh, who is it? Lindsay and who? Who was the other one you said? Lindsay, Carson, and Montgomery. Ahead of Carson, not ahead of Montgomery. Lindsay, it's it's right neck and neck. It's whoever I can get cheaper. I because I, I just look at them right in the same. And then I don't like this whole Royce Freeman news going on there. But I'm a big Montgomery fan. I don't again. I don't think that they went and spent that money on a running back in the draft to go ahead and just not have him play. I think he's the guy that Nagy wanted. He got his guy, and that's what's fun. Now you're a Dolphins fan, so I got a question for you, Dolphins oh, fan. Gosh, is Devonte Parker finally dead to you like he is to me? I... 
He should be. Oh no, no, I, Bubba. Well, here, here's here's my caveat. And I was going to say it earlier, but we were moving on uh, with Rosen talk. I think this is a fun DFS team of Fitzpatrick's quarterback, and Parker and Stills come into play there. Like Stills would be a great GPP play because they'll throw it deep to him. But Parker, he can be that like just safety valve. And Godwin was that guy in Tampa Bay at times last year, and Parker could be that guy. But I like very low expectations there. Let's put it that way. All right, that'll wrap up the AFC East. Let's head over to the NFC East. So, yeah, maybe a little more interesting stuff to talk about here. We'll kick it off with the Dallas Cowboys, everyone's favorite team, right, Joe? Everyone's favorite team. Uh, um, that's what they say. They call themselves <laughs> America's team, but I don't see it. I don't know. I like America yeah. fine, but I'm not a fan of the Cowboys. But whatever. Yeah, I don't, I don't get it either. But they got Dak Prescott, who was much better with Amari Cooper in town. Ezekiel Elliott, free of charges, it looks like. Free at last, folks. So you got Zeke, you got Prescott, you have Amari Cooper and company. What are we liking here in Dallas? Because uh, there could be a lot to like. There can. And I'll tell you what, I think it's a really good argument for Ezekiel Elliott, number one overall, everywhere. Just because he's safer and because that offense will be better. I'm really worried about what happened to the Giants offense. Not that Saquon's not going to be a top three running back because he is. He's an absolute stud. He is so exciting, and we'll get to him in a second. But if you want to just lock it in, it's hard not to like Ezekiel Elliott as the lock in because, look, let's face it. If Daniel Jones takes over that quarterback spot, all of a sudden, you know, I don't know how those – I don't know how they're going to move the chains. I don't see how that's going to ha- happen. And I feel like there's at some point in time that's going to be the case. But uh, Amari Cooper is another one too. Now, I'm on the other side of the Amari Cooper camp. I know everyone's super excited to have him this year. Oh, and he's going to be there the whole year and all this stuff. But basically, I saw the same Amari Cooper that I've always seen my whole life which is the guy who has, you know, these massive 180-yard games with two touchdowns and then just doesn't show up for two weeks. And that drives me crazy. And it depends on – I would never want him to be my number one wide receiver. As your number two with the big boom, okay, that's fine. But I think to draft him as your single number one guy and rely on him, you're asking a lot. You better make sure that you're locking in a guy like a Julian Edelman or something who's very steady then. Because I still see him as being one of these guys that's always going to be up and down. He was the same thing he was when he was in Oakland. Obviously a little bit more productive because the offensive is better. And maybe he'll finally make me prove me wrong. And maybe he'll finally be more consistent. But I haven't seen it yet. So until I see it, I don't care. And Dak Prescott is a better fantasy quarterback than he is a real quarterback. And I don't think he gets enough love in the fantasy community. Because when you look at the stats, you look at the numbers. They show up. They they show up, and he's a really good value. He's a terrific value in super flex leagues. Uh, I'd be very perfectly fine with uh, Dak Prescott as my second quarterback in any kind of super flex or two QB league. And the offense is going to be good. Defense was good last year, too. Van Der Esch really came along very well, and I think there's a lot to like in Big D. Yeah, I'm going to have some uh, some quick questions here with Dak because I agree. He's like one of the more consistent quarterbacks out there that people just don't like because he's just not flashy, I guess. Kind of the Tony Romo effect to an extent. There's no better fantasy than real life quarterback. Maybe it's a Dallas thing. Jason Garrett, shocker. But um, <laughs> when, when you look at Dak Prescott, he's going right behind Mitchell Trubisky, Philip Rivers, Jameis Winston, Big Ben, even Tom Brady. I'm not saying he's better than those guys, but it, it, doing your not giving away the whole black book, but doing like RVP. Would you rather at those points in drafts maybe go after a running back or wide receiver and just wait for Dak? Well, in a super flex, I think you 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 can wait for Dak, but uh, his RPV is going to be right around that. I, I, he's going to be ahead of Trubisky, uh, but the rest of that group is all ahead of him for sure, especially with the track record of all of them. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, you know, format is so important. And that's why in the black book, yes. I try very hard to make people understand it's not about where you rank a guy rankings are that's great like rankings are that's adorable you did your rankings how cute (laughs) what the hell does that mean that's your opinion about where you think this guy's opinion and conjecture and 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 what the black book does with rpv and relative position value is it shows you it quantifies them it says you how much better a guy is than the fantasy league average of qb1s we got 12 qb1s you know, the top 12 guys, well, how much better is Aaron Rodgers or uh, Andrew Luck or Patrick Mahomes than the fantasy league average QB1? And how do you build an advantage in a Superflex? By having two QB1s, that way you don't go into the QB2 pool and you create an advantage by being better than all the other rosters. And that's why relative position value is a separator and it's something that's easy to grasp and that really makes a difference with people. Whereas these other things where people are like, well, I like this guy and that guy. Well, who cares who you like? Like, I like a lot, of, I like chocolate chip cookies but you know it doesn't make me a genius and it doesn't give me a crystal ball like i need to 
I, you need to understand also to how to really tailor. And this is why this year too, the first time we actually did standalone draft chapters. So it's an old standard There's a PPR chapter. There's a best ball. There's a super flex. We go through the whole thing and there's standalone chapters where you could talk. We talk about core building. We talk about the first four rounds, what you kind of come on, uh, want to come away with basically a little mock for uh, first four rounds. And it's really helpful. And in scenarios like this, when you're talking about the Cowboys, this is where it comes up in Amari Cooper. Great talent, explosive, yes, but can you rely on him week to week? And the answer is no. I mean, in, in best ball, I'm more okay with him being my best wide receiver. And now these two other receivers for the Cowboys, they might be more best ball or super deep league options, but Michael Gallup, everyone was wanting him to break out last year. never really happened. And then they went and picked up Randall Cobb, who could kind of take that Cole Beasley role possibly. Any interest in either of those two guys? Uh, not for me. I, I get why people do Cobb a little bit more. I don't, I don't see it with Gallup. I just don't. I, don't, I mean, uh, the people that the analysts quote unquote, who've been on Michael Gallup in the last couple of years are not my favorite analysts of the world that are, that I'm really, <laughs> I mean, being honest with you, like there's some that just blow my mind. Like I'm, you know, these people are so good at what they do. And the others who are like all about Michael Gallup. And I'm just like, I think you're just trying to make something happen. That's not going to happen. So I'm a hard pass on those guys, and I and I can't believe I'm saying this, but I actually think Jason Witten's going to make that. That's where I was going to go too. next. Yeah. I really do. I can't believe he's back. I'm glad. I wish he would have took, you know, Booger McFarland with him. That yes. way, I wouldn't have to listen to either of those guys anymore on Monday night. But I think Witten's presence there is going to eat into whatever Cobb was going to do. If there was no Witten, I might think a little differently. But I don't know. I think I'm just going to make take a hard pass after the big three. Yeah, because Witten, he was very, very good in, when he was in his prime. And we don't know what level he's in now. He could probably still play, obviously. But to me, this feels like Antonio Gates all over again, where it's, okay, you're not going to really be a factor inside the 20s or out between the 20s. But once we're in the 20, now you're an option. And you might, you know, catch three passes for you know, 22 yards and a couple scores or something. That might be a big weekend for Witten. And it's just going to be hard to rely on that uh, week in and week out. All right, Philadelphia Eagles. Looking for a healthy uh, Carson Wentz this year. Zach Ertz is a beast for the top three tight ends in the NFL. And then they got the slew of receivers. Alshon Jeffrey, very good towards the end of last year. Nelson Aguilar, inconsistent. They bring Deshaun Jackson back. Howard, oh, obviously I missed the, the big one here. They went and picked up Jordan Howard in the backfield, and they drafted Miles Sanders. So there's a lot of discussion in this Philadelphia offense. What are you looking at here? Well, I think that Miles Sanders will be the guy. I think it's going to take a little bit of time. I think it's going to frustrate people. I look at Jordan Howard as more of a jag. He's just a guy that just kind of, you know, he'll be good enough. You know, if you want to, you know, ballpark 800 yards, maybe, uh, you know, somewhere around there, maybe half a dozen touchdowns. I think he's going to be used in that kind of a way. And I think Miles Sanders eventually will prove out. Now, my problem is in redraft leagues, I hate Doug Peterson. And Doug Peterson is going to screw you as a fantasy owner, we know this because we have a lot of track record on this and he's going to be very frustrating. You're going to see miles Sanders, like have the great run. And then Jordan Howard will get the touchdown. You're going to go, Oh, and it really, nobody wins. Everybody loses when Doug Peterson's around. So for me, the way I look at this team, I love Carson Wentz on the bounce back, love the value as a late QB one who has potential to even be a top five guy. If everything breaks, right. People forget how good he was two years ago before the injury. The guy was, was on his way to an MVP. He was an MVP, Bubba. He was an MVP, him and Deshaun Watson both. And then they both got hurt within like a week of each other, right? And it just all went south after that. In Dynasty Leagues, I'd be very aggressive with Miles Sanders because I do think eventually he will be the guy. But I think 2019 is going to be a bit of a mix and another running back situation that you probably want to steer away from. And looking at the rest of this team too, I'll be honest with you, there's not a lot that I love. Alshon Jeffrey is good he's fine i've got no no beef with him i mean he's still the number one but he's not a number one fantasy receiver so don't don't confuse those two things he's a decent number two i think that's the best way uh arcego whiteside is also a nice dynasty asset i think you want to add because i think that's a guy that will continue to grow in this kind of offense and with Wentz as well especially now that they locked him up to the long-term contract and that was the right thing to do i mean nick Foles is dick Foles for god's sakes you know anybody who was pissed off that they you know Went with Wentz over Foles, doesn't know anything about football. So, you know, be grateful you got your you got your ring. Enjoy it. It's great. <laughs> but, you know, look, when you look at it in terms of losses, too, it, there wasn't a huge thing. Jordan Hicks was probably the biggest loss that they had. So, yeah. I mean, this is a pretty good team altogether. Yeah, I expect this team to, I, I, on, at first 
glance, I, I like them to win the East. I think they're a very, very strong football team. The Cowboys will be good, but these guys are going to be pretty darn good to me. And that offense will be able to put up points if it really needs to to get its its butt in gear. So I like what they have going on there. A couple other teams in this division. Not well, so actually, excited. I should have mentioned Ertz, too. We probably should have talked about Ertz and Godair, too. That's that's my bad. I, yeah. I forgot to mention him. But, I mean, I, to me, he's still the number two, but he's a distant number two away from Kelsey. Do you yeah, think Kelsey's, the same thing, or do you think yeah, you Kelsey's, can make a case for Kittle? Kelsey's like a top-ten wide receiver. And he's well, just for perspective, in. in a PPR, 12, you know, 12 deep at tight end, Travis Kelsey's RPV is 50%. He's a plus 50. That is an enormous number. Usually the top guys – you get the high 20s, maybe even 30s. He's a 50. It's ridiculous. Now, granted, only one team is going to have that advantage in your league of Travis Kelsey, but the Travis Kelsey advantage is enormous this year in terms of relative position value. Let me ask you some questions. I know this, we're not talking the Chiefs, but you mentioned Kelsey, so I want to throw it out to you. If you're drafting early, and I know the Scott Fishball is a different format, so that's why people are taking tight ends early, but just in a regular, let's say, PPR, super flex, whatever, when you're when you're taking your wide receivers in the late first round, you know, your Hopkins, your Adams, your 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 Julio's, the big dogs, what point in the wide receiver realm do you say, okay, Kelsey fits here now? I prefer to take Kelsey in a twelve team league somewhere in the early second round. I think you can absolutely do it. I think it's perfectly fine. I don't want to take him in the first if I can avoid it. But if you're down in the first and there's this conglomerate of wide receivers that include Michael Thomas and Julio and Devante and, you know, a bunch of guys make it down. If there's a strong running back run, then I'm fine with taking Travis Kelsey at the end of the first round and then wrap around with one of the big uh, wide receivers, because just the sheer math of it, you're going to get one of those guys. Uh, He is just a huge part of that offense and he's such a distinct advantage. And the the hardest thing about tight end is that soft middle that we're used to, where even the, during the Gronk years, they were the fades you could fade down to the Delaney Walkers and, and Greg Olsons of the world who were, you know, good enough. They get the job done. They're fine. You're not, you know, breaking any records, but they're good. That, those days are over. There is zero soft middle and tight end anymore. It is gone. Now, maybe some of these guys will step up. Hunter Henry and Joku. Maybe OJ Howard becomes the guy everybody wants him to be. But right now, it's a three-man dance. That's it. And... And it's and even with Kittle, you know, we'll see how Garoppolo fits in there with him. Yep. You know, it's, we saw a lot. Of, we saw how good Kittle is, and I have no doubt that he'll be good again. But at the same time, Godair is another guy too that I think Philly's going to be annoying about. And it's not going to kill Ertz's value, but it's gonna it's gonna chip in. I think a little bit. Kelsey, it's Kelsey's on an island all by himself, kind of like Gronk was in the in the heyday of Gronk. Yeah, no, that's that's the best way to explain it. That I was thinking off the top of my head, it was those days when you see Gronk going at the back end of the first round, very early second round, and there was no arguments because he was that yeah. guy. He well, was there was no argument. Guy. There was an argument for me because, again, the soft middle, I would rather get the other well, guys, the running yeah. backs and stuff, and then I was like, oh, that's okay. I like the guys. I'll get. I'll have Delaney Walker, and he'll score a touchdown every week, and he'll be a tight end one, and it'll be fine. Nuh-uh. No. <laughs> like Not anymore, thing. yeah. They're, the net is gone, and I think that's why you have to pay close attention to Kelsey's value. And I'll tell you what, too, in a 14-team league, I am all about oh, big time. I'm all about going with Kelsey in the late first round. I think it's a it's a distinct advantage because now the pool gets even deeper yep. into tight end and it gets really scary there. You gotta basically yeah. and 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 if I miss, you'll see me take guys like Hawkinson. I'll just start taking shots because if you miss, it's kind of like closer in That's just what I was gonna say. I was, That's head, why I'm you're just, smart. That's <laughs> I'm sitting there in my head going, okay, not quite catcher. No, it, no it's closer. deeper, but it's closer because it's closer. you got that elite like three or yeah. four, and then and it's after just that, a hodgepodge. <laughs> you might as well just let the market come to you and hope that you hit on somebody who saves 35 games and everything everything's roses. And you maybe it's Trey Burton, maybe it's Fant, yep. maybe it's Hawkinson. I don't know, but I'll you'll see me take some of those rookie tight ends, despite the fact rookie tight ends never seem to work. You know what? You used to say rookie quarterbacks never work either. We're changing our tune on that, aren't we? Yep. So I think there's room for, you know, firsts all over the place, especially nowadays with these guys in college playing in, you know, pro-style offenses and being so advanced. I think a guy like Hawkinson could contribute in year one. I'm with you. Yeah, looking at this tight end uh, ADP at the moment, and it is just – Brutal. Like, yeah, yeah, like you can wait – if you don't want the big boys, you wait 10, 12 rounds. And like you said, you take a chance on a Trey Burton who everyone loved last year and might forget about. You know, Jordan Reed, we'll talk about him in a minute with his injury problems. And when he's on the field, he's a he's a, a monster. Uh, and, and so many other guys down here. It's it, it's rough. It's it's really rough. Let's go to those Washington Redskins. Um, 
Speaking of rough. <laughs> yeah, when I was looking at this last night to put the outline together, so they drafted Dwayne Haskins. He might start, if not Case Keenum. Yeah, not really good either way there. Uh, you have Jordan Reed at tight end when he's healthy. Otherwise, Vernon Davis is still alive. You have Darius Geis coming back from injury. Adrian Peterson's there. Samaj P. Ryan, Chris Thompson. It's probably Geis and Peterson's show, but I'll, I'll, I'll hear you out on that one. And then the receiving core is a mess. So what are you looking at here in Washington? Because this is a tough team to get fantasy happy about. I know people are going to laugh at me, but then again, they laughed at me last year and he had a thousand yards rushing, but it's Adrian Peterson. <laughs> it is. I mean, I the, guy, the, the guy is just a physical specimen, man. He's just a freak. And, you know, this is the time of year. And I actually said this yesterday too. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what I was on. I forget. I'm doing all these shows. I forget where I am half the time, but I said this, it might've even been black book where you have Adrian Peterson and you go, you hear all these things going on with guys. And usually this is the time of year where everything is great. Everyone looks good in shorts. Everyone's awesome. Everyone's in the best, best shape, shape of their, of their life. life. <laughs> right. Everything's going terrific. Right. And then all we're hearing about is Darius Geis is mixed. Well, he's not as far along as we like. Well, it's it's coming along. It's it's a process. Well, he, we like the way he's looking today. And it's not like, oh, my God, he's there's so much burst. And, oh, my God, so good. Like, we're not hearing that at all. And that's troubling to me. I think that's one of those things where you go, oh, well, okay, what's going on there? And it would not shock me that at least in the first half of the season, Adrian Peterson is a thing there. And I just need him to be a thing for the first six to eight weeks of the season. Get me into some bye weeks. Get me through some stuff. Give me a little depth. Maybe he becomes a trade piece for me or something like that. And considering the ADP is basically free, why not? Why not? Why not take him? And I, I, Geis is the future, but how many times have we seen this talented running backs who just never quite pan out? I mean, it's just, it's very possible. I, there's not enough downside. Like people, I feel like in fantasy football is so funny. People never want to concentrate on the downside. Maybe it's the baseball guy in me with a 70% failure rate where I was like, well, what if he's not good? (laughs) Like, what if he never recovers from this injury? What if he, what if he's just never going to be the guy and the rest of this offense is brutal and they're going to need somebody on the field with experience. And especially if the young quarterback's playing. And I think that guy's AP. Yep. I'm with you there. And he's going about pick 117 overall, the 46th running back off the board. Still early. A bunch of the noobs haven't been drafted yet. So it's a lot of expert stuff. But uh, he's he's going late where you you can take a chance on him because other running backs at that time was like Austin Eckler, Deontay Foreman, Deion Lewis, Edo Smith. I'm with you where Adrian Peterson's got a lot of upside when you look at that kind of field as your third. Who has the best chance of all those guys to open up Bubba for the first month of the season with a job? Yep. And then you know what you you talk about a lot. A lot of smart people talk about it. Let him get a hot streak. Flip him. Flip them for someone yeah, who's struggling. Like absolutely. Or flip them to the guy's owner who's panicking yep. and freaking out. Yep. And you go, here, have you Adrian Peterson. It. Yeah, like there, there's there's no loss. The worst thing that happens is Geis runs away with the job week one. Okay, what world is that happening? I don't know, but I don't think we're living in it. And you're not drafting Adrian Peterson as one of your starting running backs anyways. So he's if like it doesn't work out, four. you replace him. Yeah. Yeah, he's like your fourth guy, fifth guy. I mean, it's not a, it's not an issue, man. <laughs> like, come but on. It's like, but, it's, but it's like you said, last year he was – I'm not, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but I'm guessing that. A thousand that yards and end, nine touchdowns last year. <laughs> he was probably a back end running back one almost half the weeks, at least. He was very productive. He had so. arguably the same season Lamar Miller did. <laughs> I'm just putting that out there. And Context. I took him everywhere when he, when, he, when he signed with them. And I took him everywhere because I said, well, he's free. That's what I kept saying. Like, oh, he's washed up. He's done. I'm like, maybe, but he's free. And every time you've written off Adrian Peterson in his career, in his rookie year when everyone said he would never, you know, recover from the knee injury and he was one rookie of the year, I think. Then later on, he uh, he missed an ACL year and he came back and what ran for like 2000 yards. And then he had uh and then he had the whole year missed with suspension. Everyone wrote him off and he came back and he was brilliant. I mean, how many times are we going to do this? This guy is at his yep. best when everyone thinks he can't do it. I'll I'll never forget last year when they signed him. I tweeted something out about, yeah, late round value, something this that. And I had so many people, you're an idiot. You don't know what you're talking about. Okay, yeah. that's fine. Thanks a lot. Yeah. So, yes, yeah. I do. That's why more shares for me. Yes, exactly. You keep putting that value down. Um, Jordan Reed, we trust him or no? No. <laughs> I wish you could, but you can't. I know. He's so good when he's there. Like when, he, when we talk quarterbacks, Dwayne Haskins, Case Keenum, I don't think any are fantasy relevant, but do you have, like, do you prefer one or the other if you're getting real crazy in a best ball of maybe some of those receivers? 
Uh, I think Haskins will play sooner than later, so maybe that's it. Trey Quinn has a little bit of appeal too. Very deep scenarios, maybe best ball. Uh, but I think Haskins. I think long term Haskins is going to be all right. I, I'm I'm actually cautiously optimistic about him. I like that kid. I think he's got a good head on his shoulders, and I think he'll be. He's the guy that I think they've been looking for since RG three. And you know, God, they, people they like had, him. Well, that's the whole thing. And and Kirk Cousins wasn't the guy that they liked, but he was the guy yep. that produced. But I think that they're looking for the face of the organization. I think Haskins is going to be that guy. And Trey Quinn is a piece that I think you can like. And then the rest of it, forget it. Like, I don't want Thompson. I understand the appeal. I don't want him. I don't want Reed. I don't want Dotson. I don't want Richardson. I don't want any of these guys. It's brutal. And poor Jay Gruden, because I like him. He's a good coach. But, man, between the injuries this team has had in the last couple of years and the lack of talent on the roster, it's brutal. But I think it's starting to turn around. They're starting to get a little bit better. This was a good turnover year. They're just super behind the other two teams at the top. Yeah, they were behind the eight ball for a couple of years now, so it's going to be a, a little bit of a, a – they're on the way back, like you said. Let's put it that way. Uh, the last team in the NFC East, the New York Giants. Eli Manning's still under uh, center for now. Daniel Jones was drafted. That's an interesting one to me because I don't see Eli just walking away, but we saw last year he got benched for a couple of games. Uh, you got Saquon Barkley, who's a monster. Not a ton needs to be explained there, but I'll listen if you got more. Um, Evan Ingram. Interesting tight end. And the receiving quarter has my attention quite a bit. Um, Sterling Shepard was very good uh, at times last year when he's on the field and healthy. They got Golden Tate in town. So there's weapons there for these quarterbacks. But how do you assess this uh, Giants offense? I find them to be the biggest trap out there on the draft board. And it's hard because you look and all the things you're saying is right. All right. Golden Tate has a good history of being a guy that can haul in 85, 90 balls and and Sterling Shepard made really good progress last year. And Evan Ingram has shown you the last two years. He's got some real talent. But I feel like they're going to make that transition. And then what happens? Like their draft value, their, their value now, and then their value six weeks into the season, I'm I'm just incredibly concerned. And I've had every opportunity to take Tate, to take Sterling Shepard, to take those guys. And I'm just passing on all of them. I keep passing on them just because I think they're a di- giant trap. The fact that Eli Manning canceled his standing radio gig in New York where he comes on every week and talks to, you know, the, the big radio host in New York City, that tells you a lot about where he is and where the organization is. I think that's very telling. Yeah. And if if Jones does eventually take over this role, it becomes, well, then then what? Then what happens? Otherwise, you're drafting these guys and you're like ticking time bombs on your roster too. If if it's if it's a situation where there's such a good value, you take him, I got no problem with it. I, for one, am just avoiding it because I think it's a trap. Whereas, you know, maybe you get by with it for the first month of the season, but maybe you don't. I, I don't know anymore with this group. I don't love Daniel Jones. I know that. But I feel like they're in a spot now where they are going to say, nope, we did this and this is going to be right. And they're going to just run it into the ground and it could derail the whole thing because this is another team that's far behind the Cowboys and the Eagles from a talent perspective. And I love Saquon Barkley. But that's the other reason why I said at the top, Saquon's still going to finish top three. I have no doubt about that. But if you just want to be safe, I think Elliott's the safer number one pick. I really do. Yeah, it's like I, like you said, I can see the argument for any of those big three of one, and I'm not going to tell you you're wrong. Uh, and I was the guy, by the way, last year saying Saquon was going to be a top five running back. <laughs> well, he and he was definitely a top five running back. So, uh, so this is coming back. from the so this is coming from the Saquon Barkley truther here. And, you know, who, I mean, and I, I mean, if you go back and read last year's black book, I mean, it could not be more bullish on a guy than Saquon Barkley. You're just like, listen, I don't care if he's a rookie. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. Get all the shares, get all the shares you can take him sixth overall, take him fifth overall. It doesn't matter. He's going to return value. I don't care if everyone in your draft thinks you're crazy. Just do it. And if you did it, you did all right. But you know, this year it's going to be a little trickier. He's, he's still going to be worth it. But when you have the one overall, you have an opportunity to, dictate your season so you have to make that choice if you want to leave that a little bit up to question mark there's no question mark Dak Prescott's the quarterback yep. there's no question if you're doing Kentucky Derby style draft picking do you want one two three or four uh I'm perfectly fine with four okay. and then I want 12 because I like me the turn yes, I like when right. people you know just let me make two picks in a row and then I can watch the board unfold and get a sense of everything going on. I like I like to sit back and watch, <laughs> kind of like dictate. Uh, but yeah, first four is great. After that, it's really open to interpretation too. You could go the DeAndre voyeur, Hopkins the at voyeur, five. Joe Pisapia. That's right. But you can go. You can go. DeAndre Hopkins as early as five. You could go yeah. with Bell. You could go with Gordon. I mean, there's a there's a ton of ways you can go this year with that. 
So five really becomes up to interpretation of how the draft's going to go. And uh, I, for one, would probably go with DeAndre Hopkins because I like the value in the second and third round at running back. But those elite wide receivers, I think, are all going to be gone by the time it makes you back to you in, in the second round at the five spot. Yeah, that's why I, I kind of like the idea of getting one of the top four or going to the back end of the draft because uh, you can kind of – I like the turns always because you can get your guys and you don't have to kind of – like what you said there about DeAndre Hopkins, you almost have to have the draft is dictated for you almost. Like you have to take these guys because they're not coming back. Whatever the flow is, you got to kind of be in that realm for the most part. Not always, but for the most part. Where at the ends, you kind of dictate what you're going to do. And uh, exactly. I, think there's, I think there's more to that. You can – at least you could sleep better that night before the season starts. That's right. And I do like to sleep, Bubba. I could use a nap right now, I can tell you. Well, good, because we're, <laughs> we're wrapping this bad boy up. And you can go get all the little sleepies you want, my friend. There but uh, before we sign off, let everybody know what you got going on and plug the black book again. All right. Well, you can follow me on the Twitter machine at JoePizzaPS17. The new fantasy football black book 2019 is out on Amazon for paperback and Kindle. You can also get it on iTunes as well. This week we're running our charity week like we did last year. So if you buy a black book, uh, part of the proceeds is going to Fantasy Cares. Last year we made a nice couple hundred dollar donation. I'd like to do that again this year. Help the kiddos out, get some toys. So the kids win. You win your fantasy league. Everybody wins when you do this. And uh, also Fantrax is going to be matching that donation, which is tremendous job by them. Uh, you can listen to the Fantasy uh, Black Book show with myself, the Welsh and Bogman, which is hilarious if you don't listen to it. If you yeah. love fantasy and a good laugh, it is all of those things. And I know some people think they're funny, but I'm telling you right now, Bubba, it's a funny show. I mean, you got to. These, you know, these are my boys. The listeners, these, you guys are my show. boys. So, yeah. It's a funny show. There's no way around that one. So uh, you can yeah. check that out. You can also check out all my stuff on Fantrax HQ. If you play Daily Fantasy, me and Chris Media host the Line Star app show. Uh, on deck which will eventually become the pre-snap and football coming up soon in a couple weeks here and uh right at the tqe with my boy bubba too bubba i'm i'm yep. exhausted that's a lot of places. i know boy, that's why i let you that's why i let you plug it i'm like I'm yeah no that. no you shouldn't have to bear that burden my friend it's way too much on you way too much he also didn't mention he does a wrestling podcast oh yeah i do a wrestling too. podcast too, <laughs> wrestling. in this ring go follow us on twitter and in this ring you can listen to that everywhere too itunes everywhere it's me and tim heaney that's a fun wrestling show too. We're gonna have Matt Stryker on next month too. He's booked, uh, awesome. and actually we got some huge guests coming up on Black Book too. We got Marcus Grant, Michael Fabiano, Mike Tagliere in the next couple of weeks. So really some great stuff going on there, football wise. Hey, what was that? Something you dropped something somewhere? Can't tell where that was. Did you, like his name dropped. Yeah, um, they're all over the place. So you might want to <laughs> get somebody in to clean it up after me. All right, Joey P. I appreciate it, my friend. It's always a pleasure talking to you, and I always appreciate your uh, your availability to jump on bench with Bubba pretty much any time we can talk. So thanks for joining me, my friend. Bubba, you got my favorite bench in the world. I appreciate it. Hopefully not too many splinters. So uh, everybody, this is Bench with Bubba, episode 186 with Joey P. Catch you guys later. Later.